This it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner Matt Story and GarageBand updated on my laptop. So I have no idea if this is recording, but we'll find out afterwards. So maybe you'll hear something and maybe this will be like our art piece episode where we recorded <laughs> silence for an hour. Yeah, yeah, we could, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I probably should have suggested this before you did the intro, but do you want to just do a like a test run and, you know, like talk for a minute and then try it and then you can do that intro and we'll go back no i don't because it looks like okay. it's recording okay um okay. and if good. not Sounds then this will be for us confident. yeah right. look if All not right. then this will be good. for us and and that's okay too that's uh, okay yes yes so there's not a ton of sports going on but i think that one thing that we can always rely on is somewhere someone in college football or college athletics will make a poor decision. And the current poor decision belongs to the Wisconsin Badgers, who announced that yeah, all their yeah. spring sports seniors will not get a waiver request from the school to from maintain them. their eligibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, that's interesting. And I, I got to believe they won't be alone in that. Um, you know, because look, uh, you know, bottom line is this comes down to, you know, money in, money out, and and every every college has taken a hit with no NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, that's a big money maker, and and I know they had some insurance on it, so maybe they, you know, they got some, but but they didn't get equal to what would have happened had there been a full NCAA tournament. Um, and so you know, and and you know, with uncertainty about how or when the football season is going to be played. I can't imagine they're going to be alone in this. They're the first and I, and I don't like it, but I bet they're not the only. Um, isn't this why you have conferences and why the NCAA exists is, is for this sort of situation to protect against this from happening? I mean, you think that, you know, I, I, I mean, I see what you mean, but ultimately we're talking we're talking scholarships. Now, the interesting thing would be some of these spring sports are very limited in terms of scholarships. You know, you baseball team is, you know, 30 players deep and they get less than 12 scholarships. So, you know, like some of these don't, you know, I don't know how much that makes sense, but you can't, I'm sure as I say that, you know, and then in the next breath, you can't say, well, uh, you know, baseball will give you that year, but sorry if you're, uh, you know, uh, a softball player, and so you probably have more scholarships because of Title Nine. We're not going to give you that. That won't work. So I don't know. I mean, you know, there's there's going to be a shortfall in terms of money. Um, now, there's always plenty of money. You know, I, I mean, like I say that, and I'm not going to cry poor for college athletics just yet. No, but somebody's going to take that hit, and who's most likely to take that hit? The same people who don't share in the pie. And that's the athletes. Right, let's just let's just call it what it is. I just think that this is the you know the closing argument of Jay Billis's crusade. Oh, sure. The article I wrote, you know, nine yes. years ago. Yes. I we're you're it's a farce. If you're not oh, going right. to if you're not going to let them play, especially if. You have exhausted. Let's say you've exhausted your eligibility, or you would have, but you're not graduating. Yeah. 
So you actually yeah. could have had that red shirt year still in your pocket. Right, right. You know, and, and it's, you know, as somebody who lives in Wisconsin and has family ties to the Badgers, it's disappointing yeah. that they're the first school. And I think you're probably right. Everyone who's not Stanford and USC and mm-hmm. Notre mm-hmm. Dame probably is. Well, because, you know, you've got another batch coming in next year. That's the thing. It's that, you know, time didn't freeze. Kind of feels like it has in a way, in certain ways, you know, we feel like we're just frozen in time, but it didn't. And so you've got, you know, you've got these, these folks who would have been out, well, you've got this new batch of high school kids that would be coming in, taking scholarships and they're still graduating high school. We're not freezing high school athletics, you know, it's not like, well, they're going to just go back and spend another year. So, you know, now you're looking at a situation where at least for one year, in some sports, you'd have five years worth of scholarships. And when you combine that with, you know, some, some schools are going to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say struggling again. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far, but you know, nobody got the amount of money they expected from the tournament. You know, and that's a big earmark that everybody just expects. We're going to get X amount of money from NCAA tournament revenue, conference tournament revenue. You know, I don't think that's a huge amount, but you know, the Big Ten played, what, one day of their conference tournament and then canceled the rest. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a chunk of change, too. TV money, attendance, you know, uh, you know, merchandise, all that stuff. So it, it has far-reaching implications that, you know, I, I don't like this, but I'm not surprised by it. Let's put it that way. Where is the coach or the athletic director, but let's be realistic, coach, yeah. Who says, look, I'll take a dollar next year. Don't don't punish the kids. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm not and I'm um, not talking about this from small school coaches or, no. or or small sport coaches. I'm talking about the the guys who are the highest paid state oh, employee. Sure. sure. Um, well, if you were Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney or Ed Orgeron or those type of guys, yeah. uh, and they're all making a lot of money. Jimbo Fisher, you know, I mean you can go on the list, dude. There's basketball coaches too. That, you know, yeah, if they were willing to, you know, give up a year of their salary, could that fund, you know, some, I mean, certainly I think it could, right? Well, you know, it, I mean, it, million dollars. if it's $8 million, that that should cover the hiccup of scholarships. Uh, you would think so, yeah. You know, yeah. And, but, and it's you know, uh, it, it's a shame because, like you said, the people who are going to get punished from this are, are the people probably in the least secure position to account yes. for this gigantic yes. shift yes um, yes yes yeah it's a, it's it's a very interesting time in college athletics and and there's so much we don't know right now because when you wipe out the tournament when you wipe out the college world series granted not a huge money maker but a, but you know yeah but you sell the rights to it yeah yeah, TV money, you know, I mean, they, they packed 20,000 people in there for, you know, 10 days in a row. Um, you know, the Women's College World Series. I mean, you've got some some events that, granted, they don't make a lot of money, but they make some. The, the golf tournaments are on Golf Channel now. Those are gone. Uh, you know, so, so you're wiping out a lot. And now you're looking at, you know, well, how are we going to make up for that? And then you're going to say, okay, all these athletes that we just wiped out that that in, almost that entire season for, for most of those spring sports, come on back. Uh, you know, for baseball, it's a fascinating situation because not only now have you said you can come back, but Major League Baseball has drastically reduced the draft. 
and they want to reduce minor league teams, something you and I have discussed in the past, and, and I believe 100% they are using this current situation as a way to make that happen. They're going to reduce the draft over the next couple of years and then say, well, look, see, we, we reduced the minor league players. Mm-hmm. Goodbye with those teams. Uh, and so if you're a baseball player, you know, it's, a, it's not a good time to be a high school baseball senior or a college baseball player. Because what do you do? Unless you're an elite prospect. I mean, like, like Torkelson a, you know, will go. Torkelson. Yeah, sure. That's, you know, for him, I mean, it stinks that he doesn't get to have a junior season where he could have set school records and maybe they would have gotten to Omaha or who knows. But for him, his future still is in a pretty good position. But if you're a, you know, a, a middle-of-the-road player, not just a bottom-of-the-roster player, a middle-of-the-road player that would have probably been a, you know, 10 to 12, 20, you know, somewhere in the 10 to 20s, now those rounds are gone. And I suppose you can sign as a free agent, but that's but they a hard said, road. Well, and they said that that's going to be capped to some extent, too. Right, right. You know, and but so then you can go back to college where there's another class of kids that are coming into every college that are graduating high school this year. And, and again, they're not going to stay in high school just because we got this extra group of kids on the other end. So it's, it's uh, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, and, and, you know, I, I read... This morning on the Athletic, uh, Andy Staples had his, you know, mailbag, um, and I, I didn't read every word of it. I'll be honest, but I read the first. The first question was about, you know, if, if you know, there's the dent to the football season or whatever, could that be the push for realignment? Again, I, I think it could be more than that. Like you and I have discussed many times about, you know, radical changes we'd like to see in college sports. And where do we usually land? We usually land with, well, we're probably not going to see them because it takes somebody to take the lead and make those changes. And nobody's really got incentivized to make those changes when things are going pretty well. Well, if things aren't going pretty well, that's where we could see those type of major changes in terms of, you know, just like everything you know about college sports could be up for grabs. Now, I don't know that, that I could be, I could be overstating it, but you know, that's the type of thing to spur on a big change is all of a sudden people are making the money they made. The, you know, the well dries up and it's like, whoa, we got to do something to change this up. Yeah. The the thing that occurred to me that, that's got a, a bit of a local tie for the Valley, when you talked about players who might go, might not go, it, it changes the dynamic in baseball, especially with the consideration of, well, if guys aren't leaving, the college teams have these scholarship holds that they know are going away. And, and obviously right. ASU's had that, you know, with the number of guys who didn't come to ASU, who were ASU commits and decided to sure. sign, historically is sure. huge. But but the one that came to mind for me was, do you remember from Brophy, Chad McClanahan? Yeah. And and he told all the teams, look, don't draft me if you're not going to pay me. Right, um, right. And the Brewers wound up taking him in the 11th round and paying him a, a big signing bonus way over slot. Right. Um, and yeah. he left yeah. and, he, and he decided to forego his scholarship. It's almost now like teams are going to roll the dice the other way and say, look, the, the numbers are low. We'll, you know, we'll sign you for this, but there's plenty, you know, there's right. 300 right. draft yeah. eligible guys who, you know, are probably heading back to college. Yeah. Unless yeah. we, yeah. and they'll sign, you know, for a fraction of what you are. And, and there they are will. guys, you know, the guys who are going to be the top picks, the elite pitchers, the elite hitters. They'll still sure. command the money, and, and 
I, I don't like to cite Scott Boris as the you know arbiter of fair and unfair, but I yeah. think he is right. When you announce this, it's entirely just to create leverage for the teams against the incoming players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. I, I agree, and I you know I, I mean obviously everybody is is going through their machinations of how to make this work, and you know the the faucet has been turned off at least temporarily for sports. Um, all sports now some may be turned off temp, you know permanently and others certainly will not I mean you know major league baseball and the NBA and the NHL they're, they're more than strong enough and they've been around and you know like uh, I'm not one of the doomsayers who you know thinks like oh my god it's gonna be four years before we have sports and they, they're gonna find a way to, to make the business model work if you're a fledgling league like the XFL or something like that eh, you know I don't know uh, those will be interesting to see but you know, with, with college sports, there's just, there's so much unknown, uh, right now about how it all works, how it's going to work. Um, and, and certainly for college baseball, which is the one, I guess that, that, you know, of the spring sports, it's the one that I think of the most, just cause I, you know, I paid attention to ASU baseball for years and worked with the team for a while. Uh, you know, it's just a weird time because, you know, you're a junior in college baseball, you go, you leave. That's just, you know, 99% of the time in a big-time program, that's it. And now with five rounds compared to 40, I mean, uh, you know, do the do the math. That's a huge difference in numbers available to you. Yeah, and it, I, I think one, one thing that you might find here, a lot like the NBA and that draft, is you might see a lot of guys who they've decided they're done playing college ball. Yeah, and yeah, there's might. not a you spot might. for them, and mm-hmm. and they're gonna wind up playing in the Japanese league or the Korean league, or they might. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with you on basketball. I mean, I think uh, you know, I, I Billis was on TV a couple months ago, obviously before we knew anything about you know washing out the tournament or anything, and said you know because this was a relatively weak draft class, you would probably have more guys go in thinking, hey, I can I can make my push up the board. I'm not competing against, you know, the, the upper echelon prospects that there are in some classes. Uh, and I think you're seeing that. I mean, you know, you're, you're not seeing any slowdown that I've noticed in guys leaving college basketball to go to the draft. Doesn't, you know, there, there's no scare off tactic right now in terms of like, oh, maybe I should go back to college. Um, plenty of guys are still putting their name in the hat and going to keep their name in the hat. And yeah, there's only 60 picks. And so, you know, you'll have a lot of guys that, will end up playing in the G league or overseas. Um, and, and baseball might end up being the same way because again, I mean, if you're going to cut the draft and with that very likely cut minor league teams, it's just less opportunity, you know? And, and so you make that choice of like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? Let's say, like I said, I mean, as I started this whole thing, like it's just not a good time to be a college baseball player right now for a lot of reasons. Not only did your season get wiped out, but your your future at either level seems shaky. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, well, let's pivot on to a topic that you raised via text that I think is worth touching on, which is, since we have nothing forward-looking uh, in the short term, let's look backwards at yes. some of our fond ASU memories. Okay. Um. I, and I, I, I'm open to any sort of parameter you want to put on it, but I was thinking something along the lines of just 
memories that stick out from either our time at ASU or after about ASU yeah. athletics. Uh, and, and I think either way, because for me, one of the one of the more I would say maybe the most prominent sports memory was the USC game with game day. Um, yes. And having all yes. that. And, and we look for for half a game. It was a happy memory. Uh, <laughs> we lost the game. But yeah. 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 I, I, I completely agree with you. I was thinking about it earlier today, you know, because because we had discussed this ahead of time and thinking about, you know, like what are my favorite football related memories just trying to limit it to football and and there was a lot i could think of um and two of them were the lsu game and the usc game in 2005 and we lost both of those games and they were they were gut-wrenching losses i mean the lsu game was really gut-wrenching because we we, you know we were up and we gave up two block kick returns but then we still came back took the lead and you know lose on a fourth down throw with you know under a minute to go and then USC game day and, and, you know, we're up 21, three at the half and all dis- disappears. And yet, like, if you told me, and this is going to sound weird and I don't know if you would agree or not. If you told me I could go back and relive both of those days without knowing what was going to happen, you know, have the same human emotions, the same disappointment at the result. I'd do it in a minute. Those were great. Like, I mean, it's tough that we lost and it stinks, but those were unbelievably fun games and great memories. I agree. I mean, the the circumstances of both were fun and interesting in their own ways. Obviously, the yes. fact that the LSU game was even there because of right. Katrina was was right. crazy on the, its own. But, the, but then the rush of adrenaline to even have that game was yeah. like, you know, I mean, it was because what until four days before they weren't supposed to play here. Yeah, you know, it was that week. That it was announced, oh, they're going to play this game here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, LSU's coming here. What? Well, and, and you know, and ASU did, you know, so I think the right thing when they hosted, they they played the LSU yes, video package cool. before the it game. It was really cool. Yes, you know. yes, it was. It was cool, and it was such a good game. And uh, I mean, you know, and and then you know the SC game with game day, and you know, we we did the whole, you know, stay up all night, go to. I think we went to IHOP in the middle of the night there across from our, our old dorm. And, you know, we got there early and, and, you know, got in the front row of game day. Uh, you know, the old VHS tape I have, you could see us as they scan by. Um, and, and, you know, and, and to play that team with so many stars, so much talent and have them down, have them down for the count, you know? And, and so even though we lost both games, like those are tremendous memories and, and maybe it's got to do with the timings, Neither one of us had really a lot of ASU scar tissue at that point in time. You know, we were sophomores in college. Um, you know, you were not an ASU fan prior to going to ASU. And I liked ASU, but I didn't intensely follow them until we started. So we really only had one year under our belts. Now, maybe I'd feel different if we had a game like that LSU game that we lost. It'd be like, oh, I don't ever want to talk about that again. But because of that time, that place, those, those were awesome. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think that part of it for me with a lot of my in-person ASU memories is almost beside the game. It, you know, yeah. it, it's fun regardless of what happened. You know, the wandering sure. around campus, sure. the going to Dave's doghouse. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you're right. There there were some that uh, that the result 
doesn't matter as much now. You know, the the freshman year U of A game, while I remember so much of it being fun, that result, like, if you made me go back and watch that game, I wouldn't want to do it. But I have rewatched the LSU game. I have rewatched the USC football game. I've watched them. And I've enjoyed them. Even though I knew the heartbreak that was coming, it's just been fun. Those those two were, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a loss that I can remember like those two where, where you know, where they were just, they were so much fun. And, and just the feeling, I mean, I, I, you know, the little memories you have. I mean, I, I remember, you know, watching Pete Carroll go up and down the sideline as USC was coming back and beating us down in the second half. And, and looking and thinking, man, this is pretty cool that we're here. Like, you know, that guy's a legend. Uh, and this team is legendary. And, like, you know, and so there's just something about that, that regardless of the fact we won or lost, you know, it was great. Now, I will tell you, I've got two basketball-related memories, and I don't know if they'd be the same for you, that stand out above the rest. And that's the 2008 U of A game and last year's Kansas game. Those are the two that, like, above all else, stand out to me. Yeah, I, I think I share both of those. I, I think that that U of A game, the payoff of yes. three years yes. uh, of, you know, struggle in the U of uh, A games. And, and I mean, you know, yeah. losing heartbreakers. That The freshman year game, there, there's a picture in Baja Cafe in Tucson of yeah. that shot and i am convinced that in the dark behind the backboard you can see you and i dying <laughs> well yeah, well we were we were right there and yeah that that one hurt um you know and then our sophomore year we got beat down pretty soundly that was the year we lost our seats that we had set in all year they sold yeah. our seats um junior year we weren't very good but we we played them really tough well that know, was we the that, game. that was the hope you know it, my my recollection of junior year, us getting kicked out of the seats, uh, yes. and then us then being rewarded through nice. our grievance process <laughs> with the, <laughs> the athletic, athletic office, That's uh, right. That's right. that we got really good seats for two more games. For two it, other games, yeah, which worked out well. Luckily, it was an early season game uh, that year. You know, the, the um, freshman year, and I think junior year the same, was our last home game. That we played now. I know freshman year it was. That was that was the mm-hmm. last home game of the season. Um, you know, sophomore year, luckily, I think it was a January game where that occurred. But, you know, j- junior year was the year that we started, what, like 0-15 or something in yeah. conference, didn't we? Yeah, when um, we, we went, and then we ended 2-1. Two two, yes, yes. So we were... And, and that wasn't the last, because the last homestand was when we beat USC. Right. And the, the, you and me and about 20 other people stormed the court because there were only about 20 students there. Um, and then and then we went on the road and won one. And we beat Cal, I think, yeah. in like a t- like 43, 42 or something like that. It was yeah. it was one of the ugliest it set, It set back had. college basketball. It was bad. It was bad. You know, that's how we could win games that year. We didn't do it a lot. It was the only way we had the option to. But it birthed um, the matchup zone. Um, it did. Which it did. For, for then... After that, for three seasons, yeah, just flummoxed the conference. Ace in the hole, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and, and it all built to our senior year. We finally had a team that was pretty good. Freshman year, we were pretty good. I think we made the NIT. We, we had you know, we were kind of on the tournament bubble. Um, but then sophomore year, we stunk. 
junior year, we got even worse. We, you know, we, we hired Sendak, and you, you saw some promise on the horizon, but we were a bad team. Um, but senior year, we were going to get Harden. Boateng was going to be eligible. We had this, you know, this other group of, you know, Ty Abbott and McMillan and, you know, and then this group of freshmen that were going to be sophomores. And there was hope. And we should have made the tournament that year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and and to beat Arizona, I mean, the timing was like, you know, for us, it was, you know, Hollywood script worthy. Our senior year, our last chance to play Arizona at home, we finally have a team that's that's good. We got a, we got a star. We've got good players around them. We got a good coach, and we started that game so badly, and it looked like you know here comes more disappointment. We're never going to beat them in our career here. Can't believe it. And somehow we grind our way back. We force OT. We win an OT. That was uh, exercising a lot of demons. It's really when I think it cemented how we feel about Jeff Pendergraft now Jeff Ayers. Yes, um, yes, yes. Because yes. you you could just tell, and, and I think that one of the telling parts about it was during introductions, uh, he would close because he right. was the emotional leader. He was, he um, was, yes, yes. But that game, watching him, and, and look, Harden had a great game. We couldn't have won if yes. he didn't. But right. watching a, a a college player made you appreciate how college for me how college basketball could work, which is this yes. one guy. He wasn't the best player on the court, but he decided that afternoon he was gonna be the best player. Yeah, and yeah. and he yeah. willed that team to a win, and then he did it again in Tucson. Oh, that, and that was the next year, wasn't it? That was when and we were down by what twenty nine game, I think. I think that was 09. It's hard to remember. I thought that was we, we we won in Tucson both years. Yeah, uh, I mean Hard was five and zero against him. So we we because we won the I think it was the 09 season. We played him in the conference tournament as well. Yeah, we and we went three and zero against him that year. I want to say the it was whatever year that Bayless was there, which I, Bayless was only there one year. When I thought and that I thought was... Bayless was 09, but I could be wrong. We'll have to we'll have to have our stats people confirm that, which well, is you. I can, I can look it up. Here. I let's, think it's 08. I'm pretty sure it's senior year. I mean, we won both of them. Right, but I'm pretty that. sure that's the one where we were down like 22. Because I was, be I had to see. drive I mean, somewhere. I remember during the first half, so I was listening to the game, and we were down okay. so much, and I did my typical. I turned it off and turned it back on <laughs> as if my radio was controlling the karma of the game. Well, yeah. And I think you're right because Jared Bayless was drafted in 2008, so obviously 2008 was his only college season. Let's see if we can get his Arizona stats and then the game log from him at Arizona. Great radio. This is why we are professionals, right here. <laughs> um, but, but I, but so we'll, we'll for there. me, we'll it, it's that the Kansas game. I agree with you was spectacular. The watching the one in Kansas was great. Being in person. Yes. And then hanging out after and just soaking it all in for yes, you know ninety yes. minutes after the game. Well, I think you know both both the Arizona game that we're talking about from '08 and then the Kansas game, they have similarities in that they were years worth of waiting for. Um, you know, for for the Arizona game, it was you know we played them every year, we knew that, but it was you know our senior year and all the things we just talked about. For the Kansas game, it was you know what two plus years ahead of time of that game, we found out it was scheduled. 
And within, you know, an hour of that news, we have made tentative plans, at least, that you were going to come down for that game. And those plans never changed. We never swayed from those plans. You came down for that game. They happen to be ranked number one in the country, which we obviously couldn't control. But, you know, they come in number one, undefeated, and we beat them in another game that's, you know, much like the Arizona game, most of the way it looked like we were going to lose. We didn't take the lead in that game until, what, like under two minutes to go? Mm-hmm. Um, we hung with them. We never let them completely get away from us, obviously, but it didn't look good for most of that game. And and then to find a way to win, you know, I mean, it was, again, it was like the payoff of not just one day, although that one day was so much fun, but it was years worth of waiting. And even going back, before we knew about Kansas, you know, we would talk about, God, wouldn't it be great to play one of the heavyweights here, to get a home-and-home with a, a Duke or a Carolina or a Kansas or a Kentucky. So, I mean, it was it was like the payoff of a long wait. You know, it was, it was like, uh, you know, Tiger Woods winning the Masters last year for me. He won that Masters, but it was the payoff of years of waiting and trials and tribulations, and that, that makes those things feel even better. Yeah. I agree with that. And uh, I definitely think that was the case. And I'm and I'm closing in on Arizona 2008. Go ahead, continue with what you well, were saying. Well, I just think the 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 way these games are for me, the way they stand out in my memory, it is usually they're tied to some some event around the game. Both those games, the Arizona game from senior year and and the you know, the Kansas game in yeah. we stormed the court after you right, know, we, right, and, right. and I am one yes. of those people where I, I don't go there if I'm not invited. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, it was a tremendous release of joy of, of just, you know, it's why you're a fan. And to be quite honest, you know, you, you and I have discussed it through good times and bad as a sports fan those type of moments like the Kansas game last December uh, are, are the, the reason why you're a sports fan. Uh, if, it, if not for those type of things and those type of joy that, that you get from that, there'd be no reason to do this. You know, I mean, like, what's the point? Yeah. But it's then it's just, moments it's all those, going. if we don't get those payoffs, it's all just me texting you. I can't believe I'm staying up till 1am <laughs> to watch this. For a football loss in Corvallis or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yes, yes. I mean, like that's why we that's why we experience the heartache and the disappointment, and and you know it's it's why you know it's why we do this. Um, you know, the, the probably the best football memory I have, and neither one of us were there in person for it because it was not a home game, is winning the Pac-12 South at UCLA in 2013. Yeah, I and, I remember and, where I was. I was sitting in my bed. Because for some reason, I couldn't get the TV to work in my living room. Yeah. So I was sitting in my bed watching my TV, like my small TV in my apartment, just paralyzed with fear that something bad would happen. I know. And the the exhilaration of that. And, you know, and then that kind of continued the next week because then we beat Arizona and we clinched the home game and you made plans to come down for it. And, you know, but but that moment you know, beating UCLA when that, when that result became a done deal and we clinched the Pac-12 South, it was like, Oh my gosh, we, you know, we won something, we did it. And I remember talking to you after the game and, and saying what I'm saying right now. And it's been, you know, six and a half years. Uh, like, this is why we do this. 
this is why we, you know, we suffered through a 2009 season where we went four and eight and, and, you know, beat two teams that were major conference opponents. Uh, you know, it's why we suffered through coaching changes and bad quarterbacks and bad defenses. And it's why we stuck with it for moments just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and before I forget, you were right. 2008, Jeff Pendergraft, 29 points on 12 of 16 shooting eight boards. Uh, second leading scorer in that game was Jaron Ship with 11 points. Yeah. James Harden only five points, but I believe he was sick, wasn't he? Or yeah. something was something was up that he. Well, did didn't not he play was didn't he like hurt his ankle? Might have been, maybe he was injured. Yeah, there was there was something there that he was questionable to even play. Now he did play, played 33 minutes. Yeah, but one for but five, mostly as a decoy. Yeah, because I remember yeah, we like, talked about that after like. You can only yeah. do that once, where you yes. where you show yes. up and don't play. Right, right, yeah. But you're you are correct. Jeff Pendergraft took that game over. It's nice that we beat him so many times in that stretch that I can't remember which year it was. That was a nice stretch. Yeah, the oh, eight, the window oh, nine, between ten. between Lou Olson and Sean Miller yeah. was yeah. a yeah. was a glorious well, didn't reversal. We, didn't we beat him three straight years in Tucson? I think we beat him in 2010 in Tucson as well. Yeah, I think we lost to him here. But then we went down there and beat him. Yeah, well, and it's become closer to 60-40 on the split of late. Yes, yes. Yeah, Wait. you know, it's been more, I mean, we went through that huge drought from prior to when we started college. And then the first three years of college, we, you know, we got swept by him every year. But 2008, we beat him at home in OT by five. And then we beat him by five in Tucson. And then 09... I'm on college basketball reference now, which makes this... God, I love these sites. We beat him in Tucson by six. We beat him by two in Tempe. And then we beat him by 12 in the conference tournament. Made it five in a row, I think. Then in 2010, we played him... I remember, right? Yeah, we played him in January here and got blown out. They beat us by 19. But then we played him February 21st at Tucson, beat him by four. Was that so the, when was the, which was the one where Bashinsky sealed it with the block? That was like, wasn't that like 13 or 14? Yeah, I mean, that was were... after I was here. That was with Carson. Yeah, let's um, see, let's see. Because they were ranked like two in the country or something at that point, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, let's go through here. I want to say, let's see, 2013. Nope, they were 18th in the country. Must be 14. Yeah, 2014, Valentine's Night. Beat them 69-66 in two overtimes. What a gift. That was a good one, yes. We played them down there and got beat by 23. That also seems to happen a lot lately. Is we get blown, get blown out, out and then... Beat, yeah, that's, that was this year, yeah. Yeah, we got, we got blown out there and then... Uh, but three weeks later, we were on the way to getting blown out again and, and then uh, somehow pulled out a win. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, those two for, for basketball stand out. It, it's weird because I was kind of thinking, like, about this in general. And, like, overall, probably the ones that stand out the most are, are those two. And then for me, and this probably doesn't resonate with you as much, but the, the 2010 uh, Super Regional when we beat Arkansas to go to the College World Series. Yeah. That was hugely emotional to me. I mean, I like I, I don't know if I've ever been more nervous during a baseball game than game two of that, except for maybe game seven of the 2016 World Series. Um, but 
those three. And yet, like for volume, I have better, I have more good memories of football than I do basketball. You know, there's more games I can remember like, oh man, there's probably one every season. Even in that horrible 2009 season with Danny Sullivan, there was the, you know, the game against Washington where, where he, he hit the Hail Mary to McGahey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that was a terrible season. But there's something from that year. You know, 2010, yeah. we were bad, but there's the, the blocked extra points against Arizona when we won down there and somehow pulled that out. You know, like, yeah. well, the Oregon game this season. year. You know. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the Washington game from, from two seasons ago when we beat them. Um, you know, there's there's more of the, the, the um, the time we beat SC in 2011 with, you know, with the famous perfect pointing at Matt Barkley photo, you know, I mean, like those, there's something from every season I can remember as being like, Oh, that was great. Beat Notre Dame in 2014 when we crushed Notre Dame and, you know, looked like we were on our way to, you know, the college football playoff. Yeah. We weren't, but it felt that way for about seven days. Um, you know, so there's, there's something there. Basketball doesn't have the same number for me of great memories but it has the two that probably stand out as the greatest yeah i and then probably third would be valentine's night 2008 when we beat yeah. stanford yeah the overtime game against the lopez's that was a that was a great memory for me i i think that was the the one that i am gonna add from my list that you don't have is i had a personal run uh, when we played in the Pac-12 title game and hosted it, because uh, I was at ASU at DePaul the night before and flew out of Chicago on on the That's late true. flight to come That's in true. to go to the Pac-12 title game. For the Stanford game, yeah, yeah, um, that is true. So that to me was one of the few times, I think maybe the only time in my post-ASU attendance, attendance yeah. that I was able to hit two sports in an academic year. That's <laughs> a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is true. I had forgotten about that. I, I mean, I remember that you went to that game. I didn't realize they were back-to-back days, honestly. But, I, you know, as I always say, when we discuss that Pac-12 title game, I was sick. Um, and, and I, I mean, I had a blast at that game, but, man, I did not feel good. I gutted it out, and I'm glad I went, and I have no regrets. But I, that's probably why I don't remember, because I, I just remember – I remember very well beating Arizona, talking to you. I went into my office. I ordered those tickets because I didn't have a printer at home, and this was before digital tickets. And so I went into my office at like 11.30 at night and you know printed them out. And then I remember over the course of that week getting sicker and sicker and thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is just not fair. Like, you know, I'm going to be sick for this moment. But I gutted my way through it and still had fun. And I have to share one more of my time at ASU favorite memories. Yeah. Which was freshman year, March Madness, Illinois, Arizona. Oh, and and yeah. Matt Story's laundry <laughs> adventure. Uh, oh man, you... I was just reliving that because they replayed that. One of that was one of the games that was replayed on CBS Sports. Uh, you know, as they were showing old classic tournament games and I was reliving that very same emotion. Yeah, you the, finally uh, got to see it. I did. Well, I've it. watched it since. I've watched it since a few times, and I've loved it. But yeah, I remember that. Uh, well, that was you know that was right on the heels of, of they beat us to end the regular season in that heartbreaker, and and I just didn't think they were that good. And and then you know they they won the Sweet Sixteen game over Oklahoma State um, on a buzzer beater, 
uh, and and then I'm like, oh, well, Illinois is gonna, you know, Illinois, wasn't Illinois like 29 and one or something like that that year? I mean, they they went to the last weekend of the season unbeaten, I think. Yeah, well, um, that was Darren Williams, Darren Williams, D Brown, Luther Head, um, you know, and and they were in Chicago and like, oh, you know, this is destiny for Illinois, and and they're down by you know 12, 15 points. And like, I can't believe this. This Arizona team is is not only going to go to the Final Four, but they're going to beat. The, you know, the presumed number one team for most of the year. And, uh, yeah, I went to do my laundry and this, you know, I mean, the thing well, I remember, and do you remember saying to me, text me if it gets back within like six. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing is like, I, yes, I do. And, but, but was it even text? Because I'm trying to remember back, like this was obviously pre Twitter. It was text. smartphone. We had text. Was it text? Yeah. I don't See, the thing, I thought, like, text came on the scene as sort of a popular thing, like, halfway through when we were in college. But we had because, text messaging, because we had yeah. it, like, the ability to text, I remember I didn't have it in high school. Or no, I, we did I, not have it in high school. And, 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 no, and people no. started texting senior year, and yeah, I couldn't yeah. get or send texts. No, I didn't either. No, no. I mean, and it, and it was old time, you know, flip phone type of stuff. I mean, it was nothing like we have now. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I remember, yes. And, and it, I was going to ask you, to be honest, because I remember telling you, like, you know, let me know if it gets within six. And then you did. And I remember saying, well, I'm staying here because it's going well. and it's, you know, Maybe it here. was by phone because I remember I you saying that phone. where you said, well, I'm staying. I thought it was by phone. I really do. Like, I, I think it was that you, you might have called. I mean, we had cell phones. We're not that old. But uh, I don't know that we had, like, texting may have been a capability, but I don't think we did it much. Because I think that was still back in the time where, like, you paid per text and, you know, it was, it was not unlimited like it is now. And, and so I don't think we did. I think you may have called me or maybe even, like, come over there and said, you know, hey, it's because, I mean, the, the laundry room was, you know, not that far from our dorm. Um, and I, you know, what I remember extremely well was bringing my stuff back and you coming out of the door and I could see that, you know, from the walkway and you telling me that they had won and I just crumpled to the ground in, in delight. I, I was, I was like brought to my knees in at just sheer joy. Yeah. That was a good memory. Uh, it was, it was, it had nothing to do with ASU. And yet it kind of does because, you know, my, my love for ASU and my dislike of Arizona go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun one. Yeah, it was, that was a lot more fun than what a month and a half before when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl and I was just enraged. Yeah. That, that was one of those times where I learned just give Matt some space. When I, when I shook the hallway there, slamming the door. Yeah. (laughs) I, I'm sure our, uh, our neighbor, the the yeah, anti Nolan yeah. Ryan guy, <laughs> was not happy. And Grayson, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Re the ra. There was a That's lot right. of nicknames. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was not a highlight. I will tell you another highlight though from that year, and I don't know if you remember it as well as I do, was the uh, the Masters that that we watched the end together. I watched the entire final round. You watched the baseball game on your computer most of it. But the chip-in, the Tiger Woods chip-in where the ball tumbled into the hole, that was spring of 05, which, of course, the, you know, is being replayed tomorrow night on ESPN, and I've seen the highlights, and we'll always remember watching that from, from Hayden Hall there. 
Yeah, I I remember that I saw it. I couldn't have told you what you I did. Watched that, <laughs> you watched that part with me, I remember. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, you had the baseball package on your on your computer. And so you spent most of the afternoon watching the baseball game. And I watched golf and, and on our TV. But the baseball game ended. And I remember you, you know, I think like that might have been the first shot you watched of the entire day. And I'm like, dude, you, you just saw one of the most memorable shots of all time. Yeah. What can I say? I have incredible timing. And it still resonates. I mean, 15 years later, it's still on all the highlight packages and probably will be in another 15 and 15 years from then. Well, Matt, I think this is a successful Quarantine 4 episode. It was. It was. Uh, Well, okay. Do we, let me ask you, we can do it off record or on. Do we want to talk Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Oh, well, I think... If you don't care about Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and you've watched, or you haven't watched, you've listened until now, <laughs> stop. Thank you. Yeah. We this love you. This is our last topic of the day. Yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Story, thank you for listening. We really appreciate <laughs> it. You can shut it she, off. She probably will, because she is not a Jay and Silent Bob aficionado <laughs> by any means. My uh, dad may turn it on at this point, though, because he is. And he Mr. Story, hello. Welcome yeah, to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Matt and I've done this, this 200. Yeah, we've done this 254 <laughs> times before today, but I'm glad you're here. He's listened to a few. He's 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 listened to a few. The one I I gave him a shout out a few months ago about something. I can't even remember what it was. Uh, he he listened to it within minutes. You know, I got to Oh I yeah, text I remember that cuz he texted me that I thought he liked Did Taylor he? Swift. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> that was it. That was it. Yes, yes, yes. I I can't remember what the original point was. But he'll probably remember. Uh, but uh, okay, yes. Let's let's talk reboot. What were your thoughts? Um, I thought it was amazing, it, and, and not because it's good. It's not good. It's if if you aren't already on the inside of the jokes, you would hate it. I completely agree. But yes, I, I I couldn't agree more. Like if I had to just rank them. You know, all the Jay and Silent Bob movies on just, pure, you know, like that movie, how funny it was, it's toward the bottom. Yeah. But the callbacks, it reminded me in a way of American Reunion because it was a lot of like callbacks to the other movies, which kind of made you have that sort of like, you know, familiar, good feeling like you were back among old friends, basically. Yes. I thought that was exactly what they were going for, and I thought yes. they nailed it. The The way that they brought people back, and, and they just, with only the loosest care of the plot. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, the, the, the Matt Damon Loki scene was my favorite. Utterly random. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, Completely random. Had nothing to do with anything that happened before or after. Yeah. But it's like, you might... You have wondered what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was almost like you know he contacted him and said, "Hey, will you do it?" He said, "Sure." Then they wrote the whole script and they were like, "Oh man, we kind of didn't come up with anything for you to do." Well, let's just plug this in. Why not? Well, I heard that something like that actually happened with Affleck. Is he he never asked? And and Affleck was doing an interview for yes. Justice League or something, and the interviewer said, "Hey, are you going to be in the new Jay yeah. and Silent Bob movie? Because you've been in all of them." And he said right. something like, "Well, I'd love to be in it, but I, I, they've never approached me. I, I don't know if right. if I'm going to be in it." 
and that's what prompted him to write that whole I didn't hear that chasing too, Amy which is scene. interesting because now that I mean in watching the movie that seems more integral to the storyline. Oh yeah, like, I don't, I, you know, because that's like the moment where Jay realizes, hey, uh, you know, it's more important that I do this, and 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 you know, it's that's kind of like a turning point in the end result of the movie. Uh, you know, so they seamlessly put that in. Whereas, yeah, the Matt Damon appearance. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I got some great laughs from it. I you know, and and uh, but it, it it did feel like you know, it really had nothing to do with anything, but it was still fun. Um, when they go to the mall and the, and the song from mall rats is playing, I mean, I, you know, it was like being a wrestling fan and hearing the undertaker gong, uh, you know, I'm, I marked out at simply the song. I mean, I'm sitting on my couch, like that's the mall rat song. I know that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it had a little bit of something for every, if, if you followed Kevin Smith, if you had only done the Jay and silent Bob movies, you got a ton yeah. out of this. But if you listen to the podcast or knew like about Tusk and <laughs> Yoga Hosers and like his other random movies, it's right. like everything's a callback. You know, yeah. there was a uh, the the woman who played the attorney when they were being charged with a crime is Frankie Shaw. Yeah. And okay. she's she got her own show on Showtime called Smilf. Um, no, I've heard of that. Yeah, but yeah. before that, she was in Blue Mountain State, and I loved that show. It was so okay. offensively funny about college football, uh, and she okay. was on I've heard that. Of it. Never seen it, but yeah, yeah. And okay. then, and then she did like he Kevin Smith did like a pilot of a series for some online thing, and she was in it, and, uh, okay. and that's how she okay. got in it. And you know, Justin Long was in Tusk. And that's yeah. how he wound up, you know, in the like yeah. being folded into the universe. And right. uh, the, Ralph now, Garman didn't, who, didn't Kevin Smith do Zach and Mary though? He did, yeah. And that but she was in that too, right? That, I mean, Justin Long had that, that. That was the one. And I, I don't know honestly because he had the same voice. He was Brandon Saint Randy and Zach and yeah. Mary, a hilarious character, only in like two or three scenes, but really funny. Yeah, and and, and, I, and he the was list supposed to be kind of playing the same character. Yeah. And, but and the list it just goes on and on like however deep you want to get you know the, yeah. yeah the callback to when they told Affleck he was the bomb in Phantoms and then they <laughs> you know did it with you know Batfleck yes, was that's great right. that's, <laughs> yes yes I mean there was something from every one of the Jay and Silent Bob movies you know Biggs and Vanderbeek being there to talk about <laughs> the original Blunt Man and Chronic uh, that was a great touch they did it it was great you know uh, I mean you know. Now, the one thing that was, like, startling was seeing how old some of them looked. Beginning, and we talked about this when the trailer came out, with Jason Mewes. Like, he looks a lot older. Kevin Smith, to me, does not look that much older. Uh, you know, he's skinnier, obviously, and you know, but he doesn't look that much older than he did 20 years ago. But Jason Mewes, Joey Lauren Adams, wow, she looked old. Like, you know, some of these people came on screen, I'm like, yowza, it, it's not 1997 anymore. This is making it very clear. When they did the uh, the clerk's twenty fifth anniversary screening yes. and they yes. turned black and white, yeah. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah. I recognized. I, I I paused it so I could try to like recognize who everybody was. You and I are too uh, similar. I did the same thing. Did you do it too? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so fast. Like they they cut away. And I'm like I gotta go back and see who this was. Mm -hmm. 
It was it was Dante, obviously. Mm-hmm. There was no Randall, though, right? No. He was never in it. I didn't yeah. Think, yeah, he was yeah. not they in mentioned it. Him. They referenced him when he got arrested. At the very beginning, yeah. yes. But then they, he never appeared, which obviously that was a bit of a disappointment because he's the funniest character in that movie. Both of them, I should say. Um, but then it was it was Dante's girlfriend, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I can't remember her name. Um, it was the cigarette salesman guy, or the gun yes. salesman guy. And then the, uh, oh God, Rick Darris, right? The guy who yeah. played Rick Darris? Yeah. Who was then referenced in Mallrats. Uh, mm-hmm. And who else? I'm trying to remember who else was in it. Now I'm drawing a blank. There were six people, wasn't there? I don't, I don't remember. Up at the panel. I remember Dante and his girlfriend and Rick Darris. And yeah, the, the, the cigarette uh, guy who comes in and writes him the ticket, right? Because he sold mm-hmm. cigarettes to the little girl. When he wasn't paying attention. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, there was something from everything. I, I obviously, Mallrats is one of my favorites. So seeing, you know, Brody and having him reference apparently that he had kids with Renee or at least one kid with Renee. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get to see Shannon Doherty, but we got a reference to her character. Um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, you know, obviously Jay and Silent Bob strike back. A lot of references to that one. Uh, you know, there wasn't really much in the way of Clerks 2 references, I, I guess. Um, I mean, Dante, obviously, but Rosario Dawson was in it playing a different character. Um, and there was no Randall, there was no Elias. Uh, you know, I thought maybe we'd see, I thought we might run into Elias at some point, but we never yeah. saw him. Instead, they got Kate Micucci to be the uh, yes. movies worker. Yes. yes. I'll tell you who else looked old while you mentioned that is Kevin Smith's wife. Oh, Jen Schwalbach. Wow. Like, I mean, and I get it. It's been 20 years since Jay and Silent Bob strike back. But some of those, I'm like, yeah, you know, like you watch the DVD or the movie on TV and you, and you think they stay the same age. And I know they don't, but it that, that just made it very plain to me that like, wow, time is really passing. Yeah. Because, yeah, she, Joey Lauren Adams, when she came on, I'm like, oh my gosh, she doesn't look anything like Big Daddy or Mallrats Joey Lauren Adams anymore. She looks uh, like 20 years older Joey Lauren Adams. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, she looked, I don't want to say she looked terrible, but it just, like... She looked like an adult, because she's aged. Because that's what... she's probably over 50 now. That's what you do. I I get it. I get it. Um, And yet some of them don't as much. Like, I don't think Affleck looks that much different. Well, he's gotten stronger. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, um, you know, now Affleck's got a lot of money, and so he's probably put some money into making sure he doesn't look that much different. I'll be, you know, uh, fair to that. But there's certain people that you see, and it's like, wow, you know, like Paul Rudd, I know, is the one everybody always mentions. Like, Paul Rudd looks the same as he did in Clueless, almost. And then you see some of these other people, and it's like, wow, they have aged more like the normal human. And you, you don't normally, or you don't get used to that with celebrities, I guess. Yeah. I mean, people get older. Not being critical, but, you know, just, just noting it. Again, I remember seeing the preview and seeing Jason Mewes. I'm like, wow, he's he's old now. Just out of curiosity, how long ago do you think Big Daddy came out? 20 years. Yeah. 1999. Yeah. Or 21 now, I guess, yeah. 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 So, of course. Oh, oh, it's been a while. Yeah. Oh, I, I get <laughs> it. Trust me. I'm, 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 I'm not, like, saying it's wrong. I'm just noting it let's put it that way because i i honestly haven't seen her in anything since then like i've I've watched small rats a ton that came out i think in 95 i saw chasing amy once or twice didn't really love it 
Um, and that was, I think, like 96 or 97. And then Big Daddy was 99. I haven't seen her anything since. So to see her was like, wow, time has passed. You know, again, I'm not being critical. I'm just uh, just noting it. Uh, I thought that the Affleck scene, when, and then his daughter was named Amy. That was great. Yes, it was. It was good, yes. Um, yes, yes. I thought that getting Val Kilmer was really, <laughs> really interesting and fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was good. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was good. It was it was it was it was bad, and it was good. You mm-hmm. you texted me before I'd seen it, and you said you know, reboot was bad, but I loved it, or something to that effect. And I responded with, "I'm not sure how to take that," and I wasn't. And then after watching it, it makes sense because it really wasn't a great movie. Like you know, I mean, the storyline was kind of weak and 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 i don't think it was as funny as some of the others but it was also enjoyable it was it was kind of like you know a high school reunion of sorts like you know you're not in high school anymore people look older you can't recapture the glory days but you're kind of doing a little bit of recapturing those glory days for a little bit and it's fun i i really liked not just the loki scene that was the the best example but i i liked how they sort of tried to explain or or like tell you things that if you were ever wondering you know and, and the the one the you know when i texted you it's like stay through the end of the credits because when he yes. explains it's like well we've been jamming gum in the locks for 25 years <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that was that was funny yes yes uh you know i i mean there there were definitely some funny parts but you're absolutely right like it is it is certainly a movie geared toward already being a fan of Jay and Silent Bob. If, if you're, if you're new to this genre, there's no point. Like, you know, cause it's, it's not classic. Um, but if you're already a fan and you've watched all the movies and you get the references and for, you're getting, I mean, you got more of them than I did to be honest. Cause I, I don't follow the podcasts or some of the stuff that he's done, but I've seen all the Jay and Silent Bob movies you know, it was it was a nice feel good sort of like you know, hey, let's let's get the band back together, let's have some fun, uh, let's remind ourselves of the good old days, and that's that. And and you know, hey, you appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. So overall, definitely worth watching. Yes, yes. If you're a if you're a Jay and Silent Bob fan, uh, you should watch. If you're not, or you've never seen any of them. I'd probably recommend seeing, you know, Mallrats, Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Dogma, uh, at least, and Clerks too, before this one. Um, you know, the, those were all funnier to me. Yeah. But this one, this one fits the canon well. Yes. You know. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It now, also I don't did... know, are there still plans to, to do more, you know, like a... I heard that at one point they were going to do a Mallrats sequel, but it fell through. They were going to do another Clerks, but it fell through. Well, it seems like if they wanted uh, Jeff Anderson, they couldn't get him. So Apparently not, which is weird because it's not like he's gone on to huge fame. But did he have a falling out with Kevin Smith or something like that? I think they have had issues. Um, You know, I I don't know the specifics of what those are. Well, you should never do another Clerks without him. No, uh, you can't. I mean, the, the, you know, he was the glue of the first two movies. Like, 
Dante's kind of an annoying character if you don't have Randall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. But but it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm glad, I, glad it finally came out to where we could see it. Um, you know, the way they released it was unusual. Uh, but, you know, glad it was finally accessible. And, and I'm glad I have it. You know, it, it uh, it's a nice capper. I don't think they need to do anymore. That's where I was going with that. Like, I'd say leave it alone, sort of like American Reunion. Like, I don't think we need to keep adding to it. If they add to it, will I probably see it? Yes. Um, but, you know, if anybody asks my advice, they won't. I'd say, eh, let's just stop there. So here is the most recent trivia on Clerks 3. Okay. Kevin Smith announced, this is from IMDb, Kevin Smith announced in 2017 that Clerks 3 was off the table after a falling out with his friend Jeff Anderson, who played Randall Graves in Clerks and Clerks 2. Anderson had read the script but chose not to be involved. Smith canceled the project and made Reboot. Two weeks before Reboot was released, however, Smith revealed he had spent an entire day signing Clerks movie memorabilia with Anderson and Muse, and this reunion allowed them to patch things up, providing him with so much inspiration that he immediately threw away the old script and started working on a new one with ideas that Anderson was receptive to. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, if, if you give me Dante and Randall, I would probably be intrigued. And Bex uh, you know, and Elias. Yes, yes. Like, you know, I, I want to I wanna see that crew. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know that we need another Jay and Silent Bob-centric movie. Like, this was, a, this was you know, I loved Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think it's hilarious. I love it. I know some people didn't like it. I thought it was great. Um, this one, I think, was, was good. Like, I think we can leave it at that. If you give me another Clerks... You know, I, I have always said, and I think you agreed, Clerks 2 was funnier than Clerks. Yes. Um, and so I would be intrigued by the, the possibility. Um, last last topic, I think, before we go. Yes. Yes. WrestleMania was weird. It was weird. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, I guess sort of like reboot. Like, was it the greatest WrestleMania? No. Uh, you know, but the circumstances weren't going to allow it to be. Um, did you ever watch the Cena Wyatt Firefly Funhouse? I couldn't find it. I tried to find it online, but I couldn't find okay. it. Okay. Hopefully, you can find it at some because it was incredibly unique. It wasn't really a match, uh, but it was so well produced and and just really funny. And the fact that Cena obviously willingly took part in you know poking fun at his career. Uh, made it even better, you know, because it couldn't have been done without Cena's participation. Um, if you see it, you'll know what I mean. You know, like he's in every part of it. Um, I love that. Now, you and I were on the same page that the Boneyard match wasn't any good. Apparently, but we were boy, wrong. Were we in the minority. <laughs> we were in the minority, like a big minority. Like, like I mean, it was like ninety ten. Uh, it, it got rave reviews to the point where I almost want to go back and watch it again. I haven't yet, but like, give it a second try and see if it, it's better on a on a rewatch. I didn't really love it, um, but boy, it got good reviews. I, I, yeah, from just about everybody except me and you. It felt like the quality of acting from our Spanish <laughs> three video that we did in high school. Yes. 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 Uh, yes. I feel Scarface like that Destinos. was 
the level of acting <laughs> that I was seeing. I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't think it was all that great. But, you know, hey, they, to give them credit, they had to take some chances on some unusual things to make this work. And they did with that. They did with the Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, you know, or whatever it was. Again, calling it a match is a reach, but, you know, um, they took some chances, and, you know, I'll give them that. They put on a good show. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a difficult time to put on a good show right now and, you know, compare it to what it could have been if it had taken place at Raymond James Stadium with 70,000 people. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been better. But that wasn't possible, so, I, you know, I give them credit for putting on a good show, putting on some good matches, um, you know, mostly feel good. Not a lot of heels won. And I think that was done on purpose. Um, you know, it was, it was designed to, you know, make the wrestling fan feel, feel good. And for the most part, I think it did that. Yeah. Hey, look, they, they found a way to have eight hours of original live programming on a weekend when no one could go out. That's pretty Exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will tell you the model for a two night WrestleMania, I think they should keep. And I know there's some, you know, kinks to work out with tickets and say, you know, uh, how do you do it with fans? But, you know, WrestleMania the last few years has been over six hours. Uh, that's too long to be in one place for the fans there and for the TV viewer. And, and so I enjoyed this and I think that's a model that they should, they should continue. Again, I don't know how you do it with tickets. Do you do two separate tickets? Oh, do you do a package deal? You, you do all of that. You you need a separate ticket to enter both nights, and then they can sell out that place twice. I mean, the tricky thing with that, though, and this is the logistics that I think, you know, is like you don't know what matches are what. Uh, the comparison I made, but it's a little bit faulty, is the Final Four and the championship game. You know, you buy a ticket to the Final Four, you buy a ticket to the championship game, or you can buy a package and get all, all of them. Well, you know, though, going in, hey, if I buy the Monday ticket, I'm going to see the national championship. You don't know with WrestleMania, if I buy the Saturday ticket, am I going to see the Lesnar match or am I going to miss it because it happens on Sunday? That's the tricky part about it. And, and I don't know that there's a great answer to that. I, I think you have to buy both nights if you, you want to be your in person. I mean, anyone I, I who's suppose. buying WrestleMania tickets to go in person has the network. So they do, so. they do. I, and I, and I think, I think you do it though, kind of like the final four where you give people the option of, Hey, if you want to buy the package for, you know, let's just to use round numbers, let's say it's a $50 ticket for each, or you can buy the two night package for 90, you know, give them a little bit of a break and say, you know, Hey, if you want to come to both nights, do this. Or if you just want to go one, it's 50. And it's obviously going to be a sliding scale depending on yeah. where you're sitting. But, you know, like, I, I, I like that idea for the TV viewer. I think it's great. I think doing two nights. Now, I would also move it off a of Final Four weekend if you're going to do that. It worked this year because there was no Final Four. Um, but, you know, you don't want to compete with the Final Four for your first night because I would choose the Final Four. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not a diehard wrestling fan, but I like watching it. I watch the pay-per-views. But if you make me choose between Final Four basketball – and WrestleMania is going to choose the final four. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't be alone. Yeah. Well, we'll find out we'll that see. in a year. We'll see. Yes, we will. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what they do in 2021, but uh, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable if yeah. nothing else. All right. Well, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt sportscast.